The Tragedy of Hamlet by William Shakespeare Act One Scene One, Elsinore, a platform before the castle. Francesco is at his post. Enter to him, Bernardo. Who's there? Nay, answer me. Stand and unfold yourself. Long live the king. Bernardo, he, you come most carefully upon your hour. Tis now struck twelve. Get thee to bed, Francisco. For this relief much thanks. Tis bitter cold, and I am sick at heart. Have you had quiet guard? Not a mouse stirring. Well, good night. If you do meet Horatio and Marcellus, the rivals of my watch, bid them make haste. I think I hear them. Stand ho! Who's there? Enter Horatio and Marcellus. Friends to this ground, and liegemen to the Dane. Give you good night. Oh, farewell, honest soldier. Who hath relieved you? Bernardo has my place. Give you good night. Francisco exits. Hola, Bernardo. Say, what, is Horatio there? A piece of him. Welcome, Horatio. Welcome, good Marcellus. What? Has this thing appeared again tonight? I have seen nothing. Horatio says tis but our fantasy, and will not let belief take hold of him touching this dreaded sight twice seen of us. Therefore I have entreated him along with us to watch the minutes of this night, that if again this apparition come, he may approve our eyes and speak to it. Tosh, tosh, will not appear. Sit down a while, and let us once again assail your ears that are so fortified against our story what we have two nights seen. Well, we sit down, and let us hear Bernardo speak of this. Last night of all, when yon same star that's westward from the pole had made his course to illume that part of heaven where now it burns, Marcellus and myself, the bell then beating one, enter the ghost. Peace, peace, break thee off, look where it comes again. In the same figure, like the king that's dead. Thou art a scholar, speak to it, Horatio. Looks it not like the king? Mark it, Horatio. Most like. It harrows me with fear and wonder. It would be spoke to. Question it, Horatio. What art thou that usurpest this time of night, together with that fair and warlike form in which the majesty of buried Denmark did sometimes march? By heaven, I charge thee, speak. It is offended. See, it stalks away. Stay, speak, speak, I charge thee, speak. The ghost exits. Tis gone and will not answer. How now, Horatio, you tremble and look pale. Is not this something more than fantasy? What think you on it? Before my God, I might not this believe without the sensible and true avouch of mine own eyes. Is it not like the king? As thou art to thyself. Such was the very armour he had on when he the ambitious Norway combated. So frowned he once, when in an angry parley he smote the slended Pollocks on the ice. Tis strange. Thus, twice before, and jump at this dead hour, with martial stock hath he gone by our watch. In what particular thought to work I know not, but in the gross and scope of my opinion this bodes some strange eruption to our state.' Good now, sit down, and tell me, he that knows, 
why this same strict and most observant watch so nightly toils the subject of the land, and why such daily cast of brazen cannon and foreign mart for implements of war, why such impressive shipwrights whose sore task does not divide the Sunday from the week, what might be toward that this sweaty haste doth make the night joint labourer with the day? Who is it that can inform me? That can I. At least the whisper goes so. Our last king, whose image even but now appeared to us, was, as you know, by Fortinbras of Norway, there too pricked on by a most emulate pride, dared to the combat in which our valiant Hamlet, for so this side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this Fortinbras, who by a sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands which he stood seized of to the conqueror. Against the which a moiety competent was gauged by our king, which had returned to the inheritance of Ortenbras, had he been vanquisher, as, by the same covenant and carriage of the article designed, his fell to Hamlet. Now, sir, young Fortinbras, of unimproved metal, hot and fool, hath in the skirts of Norway here and there shocked up a list of lawless resolutes for food and diet to some enterprise that hath a stomach in it, which is no other, as it doth well appear unto our estate, but to recover of us by strong hand and terms compulsory those foresaid lands, so by his father lost. And this, I take it, is the main motive of our preparations, the source of this our watch, and the chief head of this post-haste and remarge in the land." I think it be no other, but e'en so, well may it sort that this portentous figure comes armed through our watch so like the king that was, and is the question of these wars. A mote it is to trouble the mind's eye in the most high and palmy state of Rome. A little ere the mightiest Julius fell, the grave stood tenantless, and the sheeted dead did squeak and gibber in the Roman streets, as stars with trains of fire and dews of blood, disasters in the sun, and the moist star upon whose influence Neptune's empire stands was sick almost a doomsday with eclipse. And even the like precursor of fierce events, as harbingers preceding still the fates and prologue to the omen coming on, have heaven and earth together demonstrated unto our climate-chosen and countrymen. But soft, behold, lo, where it comes again. The ghost re-enters. I'll cross it, though it blast me. Stay, illusion. If thou hast any sound or use of voice, speak to me. If there be any good thing to be done that may to thee do ease and grace to me, speak to me. A cockcrow is heard. If thou art privy to thy country's fate, which happily foreknowing may avoid, O, oh, speak! Or if thou hast abhorred in thy life extorted treasure in the womb of earth, for which they say you spirits oft walk in death, speak of it! Stay and speak! Stop it, Marcellus! Shall I strike at it with my partisan? Do if it will not stand. Tis here! Tis here! Tis gone! The ghost exits. We do it wrong, being so majestical, to offer it the show of violence, for it is as the air invulnerable, and our vein blows malicious mockery. It was about to speak when the cock crew, and then it started like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I have heard the cock, that is the trumpet of the morn, doth with his lofty and shrill-sounding throat awake the god of day, and at his warning, whether in sea or fire, in earth or air, the extravagant and erring spirit hies to his confine, and of the truth herein this present object made probation. 
It faded on the crowing of the cock. Some say that ere against that season comes wherein our Saviour's birth is celebrated, the bird of dawning singeth all night long. And then they say no spirit dare stare abroad. The nights are wholesome, then no planets strike, no fairy takes, no witch hath power to charm. So hallowed and so gracious is the time. So have I heard, and do in part believe it. But look, the morn, in russet mantle clad, walks o'er the dew of yon high eastward hill. Break we our watch up, and by my advice, let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet, for upon my life, this spirit done to us, we'll speak to him. Do you consent we shall acquaint him with it, as needful in our loves, fitting our duty? Let's do it, I pray, and I this morning know where we shall find him most conveniently. They exit. The end of Act One, Scene One of The Tragedy of Hamlet by William Shakespeare. Read by Rick Kishner for Let to Go on the Web at fcit.usf.edu.